You're listening to season three of Real Talk with me, Megan Luscombe. I'll be chatting with some of the world's best thought leaders and experts when it comes to topics surrounding life and relationships. So settle in, get comfortable, and let's chat. In today's episode of Real Talk with me, I'm chatting with the incredible Laura Miano. Laura is a sex therapist at AISSM and a sex columnist for Fashion Journal. She also runs casual at-home sex ed discussions for small groups of friends around Melbourne and is in the process of setting up a sex toy concept store called POSMO. Her mission is to help people overcome the shame and stigma attached to their sexuality and to break down problematic societal norms that can act as a barrier to honouring one's authentic self, all of which made me think she's the perfect guest for my show. Links are in the bio, but for now, sit back and enjoy. Let's just kick straight into it. I am super pumped to be having this conversation with you today because I personally think we don't talk about sex enough. Mm-hmm. I also personally think based on working as a life and relationship coach that couples don't necessarily have the confidence to talk about sex in a really transparent way. Yep. And um, they're the sort of things that I thought would be brought to the conversation with you and I today. So uh, let's kick off by talking about why do you think people struggle so much when it comes to talking about sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, when are we ever taught to talk about sex? Yeah, we true. basically, yeah, <laughs> there's really nothing in, in school that teaches us about it. Um, generally, most parents kind of avoid the topic mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's like we're never taught about it. When we, we never are exposed to it, um, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we're in a relationship, and yeah. we're meant to be able to communicate what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, there really isn't an opportunity for people as they grow up to learn about those kinds of things. Yeah, um, yeah, and any kind of form of communication is an art, um, but sexual communication is a whole kind of different mm. form of of uh, of that. So. Yeah, I think I think it's just it's just not, not spoken about enough. You're right. It's We're not, not taught. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I I can definitely say growing up, my family didn't talk about sex at all. But the mm. only way they did talk about sex was to avoid it in a way of don't get pregnant. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. abstain, 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 abstain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I feel like at school when we when I was in high school, it was very much directed towards condoms. Uh, when mm. you're going to get pregnant uh, mm-hmm. and male pleasure. Yeah. Like it wasn't yep. very female-centred. No. I don't think I probably started having better sex talks until I was well into my 20s. Mm. So when the education isn't there early on, I suppose what you're saying is we, we, don't, we don't have the tools. We don't know how to talk about sex at all. Yeah. Do you think that it's easier to talk about sex from a place of it's not to do with me. Like, you know, we can talk about other people's like sexual experiences. Mm. Like mm-hmm. if we do, do you think that sort of rings true? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I get this a lot with clients actually. Um, people really happy to talk about sex generally mm. or their friends and help their friends <laughs> with sexual issues. But when it comes to them, it's like, well, no, avoid. <laughs> Right. It's sort of like a shutdown. And I think it it kind of, it taps into people being, um, yeah, I suppose transparent and vulnerable about their own sexual desires. And that Mm. can be a 
quite anxiety provoking for a lot of people um, to kind of admit uh, or to say kind of confidently that they are sexual and that they have these desires. Um, so I think it kind of comes back to their relationship with how they feel about their own desires and, mm-hmm. and themselves as a sexual person. Um, so, yeah, because I mean, we're flooded with, with any, any kind of like sexual information, whether it's mm-hmm. movies and, you know, like mm-hmm. advertisements, there's sex all around us. Yes. Um, but when it comes to, you know, sex in, in relation to ourselves, that's definitely something that people like to hide. <laughs> right. Is it, and do you mm. think that it's, it's associated with somewhat sexual shame? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shame, um, like even guilt, feeling guilty about being a sexual person, um, maybe fear of rejection as well, mm-hmm. um, being afraid that maybe what they're talking about isn't normal um, and that people might laugh at what they're saying or, or think that what, what, they're, what they desire isn't, isn't, yeah. doesn't fit that definition of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a few different kind of facets of it. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting you say that because I notice based on the conversations I have with clients that people are very reluctant to talk about their uh, desires with their partners because mm. wanting to turn their partner away from them. Like mm. if one person's to say, hey, I would really love for you to do this, they're worried yeah. that their partner's going to be like, <laughs> like, yeah, what are you talking about? No, I don't want to do that. Or, yeah, totally. You know, and I think, I think collectively what I notice is that people are able to talk about atypical desires in a collective mm. format like, oh, you know, I, I want somebody to be more passionate with me or grab me and kiss me and that's my desire. Mm. And it's more mm. like a societal desire. We can go, yeah, okay, that's relatable. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. But yeah, the when you really get down to actual personal desires, what I desire versus what you, I think they're the ones that are the shame barriers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? It, yeah, it does. And I think it really opens up that um, that vulnerability because it is is bringing in that potential for rejection. Right. So yeah. say in order to be able to talk about sex, we need to be really good at getting vulnerable with ourselves. Yeah. And I think as 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 well, like do some kind of personal work and, and think about your own relationship with your desires. Mm-hmm. Um, not for everyone, like some people might feel super confident about them, but then when yeah. it just comes to communicating, that might be the, the challenge. But for others, it could be that they they don't feel confident in in what their desires are so yeah mm-hmm. I would say definitely take some time write them down map them out um right. and, and think about why you have that kind of relationship with those desires where you might have learned to have that relationship um I think be a little bit more uh kind of considered in how you think about your desires I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Be more considered. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, This is a big one. I like that. Can you like go into a little bit more detail there? Because I really like that. Yeah. That's a highlight, I think, for anybody listening to this about being more considered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is a lot just with sexuality in general. Mm. Um, We can kind of just passively move through our sex lives and 
and um, you know we, we can still consent to things, but not really actively like pursue what we want. Um, and people can be left with in a sexual experience just feeling a bit like deflated or just n- not not so satisfied. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because we really forget to to take a moment and think about what we like and think about how we can pursue what we like. Mm. Um, and it's about, you know, being active rather than passive yeah. and being more considered and thinking about what it is that you want and that, mm. what you desire and, and kind of planning how you can go about achieving those desires and, and yeah, meeting right. those desires. I like that from the considered standpoint because I always say to couples that it's so important when you come to sort of a bit of a stalemate in a relationship when it's like mm-hmm. um, conflict management and things like that and connecting I always say to approach it from a curiosity standpoint like mm. what, what can I learn here so yeah. it's interesting that you say considered because I'm like another c word <laughs> to be yeah yeah to totally yeah your relationships yeah. which I love so I think that's really interesting that you say to take that considered approach because I suppose that obviously relates back into the we don't get taught to focus on our own desires and our own pleasures Mm. so we don't even really we get taught to consider somebody else's pleasure I would I would argue you know it's always about the the partner and we don't really talk about our own our own standpoint when it comes to you know pleasure what turns me on what do I like as a person as an individual I remember going to work with a woman who was 35 at the time and told me that the thought of masturbating to her was like repulsive and she actually said to me why would I do that when I've got a husband Mm. and I was Mm -hmm. just so baffled I just remember thinking but it's it's a different experience altogether like your own self-pleasure and pleasure with another person to me they're very different yeah do you think that people are reluctant to talk about masturbating or self-pleasure within a relationship um in my kind of experience with clients, I would say no. I feel like people awesome. generally are, love that. you know, yeah, yeah, confident to be able to say that they do. Mm-hmm. Whether they actually do or not is maybe a different thing. But, okay. um, yeah, I think, you know, like sometimes I'll give, like, masturbating as a, home, as a homework task. Yeah. Um, I'll just say, like, you know, tell your partner that I've given you this homework um, and that you just need some alone time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think in my experience, people are, uh, yeah, kind of open to the fact that, that masturbating is just, it's like a simple part of, you know, like managing your health, just yeah. like looking after your mental health, mm-hmm. looking after your sexual, sexual health, which is also so entwined with your mental health yeah, and absolutely. physical health. Um, yeah, it's really just about looking after yourself really well I love that I I completely agree that you know um self-pleasure masturbation is all you know keeping yourself happy and mentally and emotionally happy Mm. I um I remember working with a one of my like first couple clients about seven years ago and one of the biggest issues was this lady was saying if he masturbates that's him being unfaithful to me Mm. and it to me I was just what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I must admit that is definitely something that I have heard on numerous occasions throughout my whole, um, you know, 
time working in this field. Is that something mm. that you've ever come across the whole like you shouldn't be masturbating or you shouldn't be watching porn because you have me? Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of um, young people. Okay. Um, you know, people in like, you know, their early 20s or just in their 20s generally. Yeah. And I think that there's been a, sh- there's a shift now. Um, yeah, in, in that kind of understanding of what masturbation is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in the couples that I see and the clients I see, it's, it, that, that doesn't really, that kind of understanding of masturbation um, isn't really a thing. But I know yeah. for older clients it can be. Right. Um, and then, yeah, and I think that's just tied up to kind of, yeah, cultural beliefs, maybe yeah. um, like from like religious beliefs as well. Yes. Um, yeah, but I definitely know, can see that there's like a shift in that kind of, yeah, understanding of what masturbation is and what it means in a relationship. Okay. Well, I love, mm. I love the thought of the, you know, the younger generation really powering and paving the way for more sexual liberation, I guess. And yeah. you're right, the, the clients that I've worked with are of the, I mean, you know, they're the, you know, 38 plus. Mm. So you're right. I think, you know, there was a lot of shame associated to porn when they were probably mm-hmm. up. So they've got those sort of standards in the head of, hey, no, it's my job to please you. Like if you go elsewhere, including masturbation, like it's a direct negative reflection of the quality yeah. of like marriage. If that yeah. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's a, that's a really good point to make mm. that there's a mm. yeah another interesting one as well that I get asked um is about like fantasizing too mm-hmm. a lot of people will ask me if they think that because they fantasize about other people are they cheating mm-hmm. um kind of a similar one to masturbating and this is something that actually is is common with my kind of client wow. uh, base okay um yeah and like the answer is no that's not cheating yeah. um it's really like healthy to be able to explore your desires and, mm-hmm. and whether you want to tell your partner about those or not is, is a different story. Yeah. You don't have to, um, but whatever is, you know, kind of happening in your own mind, that's a safe place and, mm. and you are free to explore those desires. Yeah. I've always found it. I mean, my um, wife and I are very like open about like, you know, fantasies, desires and things like that. And I think that's really helpful. Mm. Um, like a fantasy is a yeah. fantasy. It's, it's being conducted in your brain. <laughs> like, Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> and yeah. Um, it's really interesting because I asked my Instagram audience a few weeks ago, like what is like one of your like desires that you have? Mm. Are you sharing your desires? And um, somebody DM'd me saying that they shared one of their fantasies with their partner and mm. their partner just absolutely was not receptive of it at all and it actually mm. caused conflict yeah and yeah I think I think when it comes to sharing desire it's so important or fantasies for the person on the receiving it to be able to understand that it isn't a dig at them it's not mm. it's not like you know a fantasy is just a fantasy and I think sharing it is where the intimacy is if you can share your fantasies and desires with your partner like amazing yeah obviously you don't have to if you don't want to Mm. but I think when somebody says I'm going to expose myself and be vulnerable for you that's yeah that's where intimacy you know exists and Mm. I I wonder what what would you say to somebody who wants to share their fantasy or desire in a way Mm -hmm. to sort of bring their partner closer to them how how would Mm. you tell them to navigate that yeah yeah well I think 
it's it's important to acknowledge that there are two people in that mm. process yeah. um and even for the the person that wants to you know talk about their fantasies it is the there's a person on the other end who, who wants right. who's going to have to listen to them and not everyone will be comfortable with mm. hearing their partner's fantasies about being with other people and that's completely okay yeah. um I think the best way to kind of go about it is to um just talk to your partner and say hey I'd love to um you know maybe tell you a few of my fantasies um mm. but before I do um you know they might um include other people mm. is that something that you're okay with and mm. if the person's not okay then I think then that just has to be respected mm-hmm. um but it can also be a little bit of a negotiation you know like um maybe if there's a particular person that they can leave, you know, not name them, but yeah. just say that it is another person, mm-hmm. just, you know, you can negotiate how the two of you can kind of meet in the middle mm-hmm. um, and what, what you know, each of you are willing to kind of give and, and accept um, right. in being able to talk about those fantasies. It doesn't have to be like all or nothing. Right. That's like a big one with sex therapy. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I really like <laughs> it's what you're saying is, and I think the key takeaway there for listeners is that, you can introduce your your fantasies but still maintain boundaries on both mm. ends. So the yes. partner might yes. say, I'm happy to know about your fantasies, but I don't want to know who. Yes. Like, I don't want to know the person that I, I want to know, like the details, but not the, the face or the name of the person. And yeah. it's about sort of that tennis match of respecting that this is what I want to share. And if you, I do share it, what are you not wanting to know? So it's like that boundary of, which yeah. makes sense, which makes complete yeah. sense. I really yeah. like that. And that sounds like a good way to actually tackle that area. Mm-hmm. And I find like, yeah, in sex therapy, a lot of people think, you know, they, they, they want to they do something and they want to do it all. And if they can't do it all, then it's like they, they think that the only other option is to not do it at all. Okay. Um, so in this kind of situation, it would be like someone wants to share their fantasies and if their partner does not want to hear the person, hear, hear about who the person would be, um then you know the couple might sorry that the partner might just say like okay let's just not do it at all but yeah it, it is about that negotiation that tennis match and, and finding that middle ground where everyone is is kind of happy I really like that the mm. I, I like the uh and I think that's one thing in maybe long-term relationships you really don't talk about the whole like back and forth of a you know the boundaries the tennis match and the intimacies and things like that and mm. I think one thing that I notice when it comes to my work is the expectation of desire, lust, and sex long term. Mm. Like mm-hmm. once you've, you know, done the courtship and, you know, you've been fucking like bloody rabbits and, yeah. you know, then you move <laughs> in together and things sort of ebb and flow. Yeah. What do you think is one of the hardest parts of of sex and intimacy in the long term Mm, mm -hmm. yeah I think um like obviously as you said like there's that shift in desire Mm. desire changes it's not like a spontaneous kind of desire it's more of a um um I think it's called responsive desire where other kind of things in the broader relationship impact whether you feel desire for your partner rather Mm -hmm. than when you're at the start of a relationship and it's just kind of like you have an on and (laughs) off button and you're ready to go in like always there (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so that navigating that is um 
Uh, very tricky one for couples. Mm. Um, and this is where communication is so important because, yeah, people tend to like dichotomize sex. Mm. They um, think that if they're going to have sex, they're going to have to go all the way. Mm. And, um, you know, especially for the, the partner who is the lower desire partner, mm. who isn't the only, um, isn't like necessarily the problem. There's yep. two people in a relationship. Um, but the person with the lower desire, they um, might get into this kind of um, pattern where it's like if they're going to have sex, they're going to go all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's either like all or nothing. Yeah, okay. uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It can be kind of, again, more of a negotiation saying mm-hmm. like, hey, I don't really feel like having penetrative sex, but mm-hmm. you know, if you wanted to masturbate, I could sit here and kiss you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we could do other things and, and mm. have doing other things along that spectrum rather than sitting on either end. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's where communication comes in because it's about saying, hey, I don't feel like doing this, but I can do this. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, in the end, I'm sure a couple would rather have something, have some mm. sort of intimacy, intimacy, especially the higher, yeah, the higher desire partner would, I'm sure, prefer to have some sort of intimacy mm-hmm. than nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that is, a, that is a big issue that comes up for long-term partners. Yeah, and I, I definitely think, and exactly like you said, and I want to reinforce that statement, communication is essential mm. when it comes to navigating mm-hmm. your own sex life. Yeah. And I feel like there is a lot of... Uh, unsaid things that occur when it comes to sex and I also Mm -hmm. feel like when people think of sex they go straight to penetrative sex Mm -hmm. and I suppose probably as somebody who you know identifies within the queer community and yeah sex relationship like sex is is very different from the heteronormative sex so I suppose I I'm in a position where I look at sex in such a spectrum of activities so to Absolutely. me, I, I don't look at it. It's just like sex is penetrative sex. Let's just get it. You yeah. know, let's just get it done. And yeah. I, I think that there is such a you know, there's such a sort of pattern that people fall into, which is like societal mm-hmm. heteronormative culture of this. Yes. Is, and we, what you're talking about, the whole communication and communicating it, like. I don't want to do this, but how about we, like, you masturbate and I kiss you. Like, that is still yeah. sexual intimacy. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you think that you said, you know, you work with the younger, you know, the 20s, are they more mm. receptive to, like, mutual masturbation and sort of thinking outside the, the norm mm. of... Yeah. Yeah. I, I always try and promote that idea that, like, you know putting penetrative sex on the pedestal is like so heteronormative and I feel like as soon as I kind of say that so many clients like oh my god yeah true like so (laughs) much sex exists out of that yeah and there are so many like same-sex couples and and you know queer couples who um have great sex lives and don't Mm -hmm. follow that like mold yeah um yeah so I think they in that sense like they they're really receptive to that mm-hmm. um but also at the same time like sexual anxiety performance anxiety it is still such a big thing mm-hmm. um and so many people do feel anxious about kind of uh exploring outside of that like sexual repertoire that they've kind of formed with their partner yes mm. yeah right. 
And that's a really good point you just said. So how do you think it's easier for somebody to navigate their sexuality by hookups and just sort of not really having any person know like what they are bringing to the table, like they just have some mm. encounters? Or do you think it's it's easier for somebody to sort of evolve when it comes to their sexuality in a relationship? Mm. Well, that's a really good question. I think, I don't think there's a, like a right answer. Cool. I think you can get, yeah, everything. Like you can that. get, um, yeah, like different kind of advantages from different experiences. Mm -hmm. Like from a long-term partner, you might, you know, be, be a bit more comfortable mm -hmm. um, and be able to kind of like fine tune your, your sex with them and, and maybe really kind of like um, get into like the nitty gritty of, of your desires and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so in that sense, I think it's great. Um, but then with like casual sex, you're also being exposed to lots of different people and lots of um, different people's way of, of having mm. sex and, and their desires. So, you know, it might teach you different ways to interact sexually or different kind of sexual activities you might not have tried before. Um, so I think there's really benefits of both yeah. kinds of sex. I love that. And I think that's really important for people to hear as well, that you can actually... Mm have great experiences in both spectrums. And yeah. I think that's, I think a lot of people tend to think in a, and I know just based on the couples that I've worked with, that they feel that in long-term relationships that the sex just becomes quite routine and monotonous and mm. that you have to be single to be adventurous and, oh, to go and have your glory days and all that sort of thing. And I think yeah. that exactly what you said is right. You, if you are in a, you know, supportive, comfortable relationship, you do have opportunity to say, hey, I've been mm. thinking of ABC. What do you think about that? Whereas, yeah. you know, maybe in in a hookup, you don't have that um, that confidence maybe to ask for what you want and mm. maybe give what your partner is is wanting. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's and you just also brought up uh, like the sex anxiety, like sexual anxieties, and mm. what are the most common sort of sexual fears that you deal with? Mm. Um, definitely a lot of people thinking that they're inexperienced. That's a big one. Right. People also kind of not kind of avoiding their own pleasure because, um, you know, they think that they need to give to their partners. And that's mm -hmm. something I generally see in like male, female sexual dynamics yeah. um, where the woman is, yeah, kind of just not thinking about her own pleasure and more about what she can give. Yeah. Um, yeah, then there's also, like, being able to, yeah, like, pleasure their, their partner in the right way, get them to an orgasm. Um, some people, like, are, are worried about them when their partner is pleasuring them if they're taking too long to orgasm. Mm. Um, My goodness. Oh. So many yeah, there's things, so many right? things. So there's many so many things. things. How like people look. A big one um, with women is like, um, you know, like objectification and and self objectification, yeah. where women kind of like internalize those um, kind of cultural messages that objectify mm. women. They kind of um, internalize them and and kind of produce them in a sexual experience and kind of objectify themselves. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's so many like variables. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Consider. 
And yeah. I think it's really, um, you know, it's really interesting because every year I like put words. So I'm behind the computer now. I've got like these mm. words just on it, like a, like a corkboard, right? And one mm-hmm. of them is sexual liberation. And I'm all yeah. about, I just think every, every like facet of life you should be liberated in. And mm. I, you know, and one of my friends came into this room and, and they were like, whoa, you've, well, like, why do you have that like word there? And I was mm. like, oh, because to me, I think it's just an important reminder to always know that, you know, you are free, free of expression, free of pleasure and all of these things. And they yeah. were like, oh, I don't even think I could even put that up. Like, <laughs> and yeah. it just shows the, the, the fear. And, you know, we're both the same age, you know, mm. 34, 35. And mm-hmm. it's just such a, you're right. There are so many fears and mm. societal, you know, things that we place on ourselves and yeah. I, but I think the second you start to challenge those thoughts, the better off you are. Mm. I mean, I, I know the couples that I work with, they tend to just get into this routine of like sex is this way. You're right. The, pen, the penetration stays at the top mm. of the triangle. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I think um, I'm glad to see based on what you're saying that there are people that are sort of, navigating away from the Mm. standard if that makes sense yeah but when it comes to the thoughts going on in our head when we're say having sex or you know am I making my partner calm or is this feel good am I you know pleasing what Mm -hmm. what do you think is the biggest barrier in overcoming those anxieties Mm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, this is a um, an interesting one, and I kind of love explaining to this kind of concept to clients because um, a lot of people who have sexual like performance anxiety, sexual anxiety, and they're kind of in their heads, mm-hmm. they can't feel their what you know their bodies a lot of the time, right. or, or they'll only feel the pleasures to a certain degree, okay. and that's because um, you know like imagine your conscious mind is you know imagine it's like a bubble, right? Yeah your conscious mind, it's called like a limited capacity system. You can only put so much information in there before it reaches capacity. Mm-hmm. So when people are kind of churning over these thoughts, wondering if they're doing it right, um, is their partner getting bored, et cetera, et cetera, they're filling up that bubble to 100%. Mm. And that doesn't leave any room for them to perceive the pleasure. So, you know, unconsciously, subconsciously, they might be perceiving the pleasure, but, you know, that's not how we can really build, you know, it's not, it's not really fun if you're not, mm-hmm. you're not consciously experiencing it. So um, I try and kind of explain to clients what you need to do is like quieten those thoughts so that you can fill up the rest of that bubble with your, you know, the pleasures that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. the sensations that you're feeling. And, and that's why so many people, when they're trying to achieve an orgasm um, and they can't, you know, funnily enough, while they're trying to do it, they're thinking like, I want to get there. I want to get there. Am I going to get there? And it's yes. all the, all these thoughts are like filling up that bubble rather than them, you know, like removing those thoughts okay. so that they can actually experience the pleasure. Right. Um, yeah. So I think those um that that those thoughts like one like they're obviously a point of anxiety but two they're a double whammy because they don't let you feel and enjoy Mm -hmm. the experience right um yeah so I think 
Yeah, the biggest barrier to those would be, I mean, I would say like communicate. If there's something that you're anxious about, yes, yes. I always say this to clients, like, you know, if they have a certain worry, if they think that they're taking too long or if they think they're not doing it right, just ask, Mm -hmm. ask your partner in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they can reassure you and then you can, you know, go back to what you're doing mm-hmm. or if you know you're still not reassured just ask again like right. it's it's fine to right. ask, to a ask question. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely mm. do you um also think that say if they're filling up that bubble that also mm. stops them from actually being present with not only their yeah. pleasure but their partner's pleasure and sort of what's going on in the whole moment yeah 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 it's like it's it's so multifaceted. It can, it really just pulls them out of their bodies, out of the experience, and they're just they're in their own minds and and they're not present at all. Right. So then um, it's sort of like a solo experience, and really, isn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah. Totally. Yeah, because we're so up here, we're not actually engaging with yeah. our partners because or whoever we're having sex with because we're so yeah. worried about our performance are we going to make them come or are we going to come or like yeah. doing it and you're right and exactly what you said communicate yes yes <laughs> ask, totally <laughs> absolutely ask a question and I think yeah that's probably the theme of this whole conversation we're having is mm. ask communicate yeah. talk yeah and yeah I um I think I would love to know before I mm. wrap up the uh podcast is what piece of advice would you want to give to any of my listeners when it comes to navigating sex in short-term mm. and long-term relationships? Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of my um, one one thing I really like, just following on from that, the whole thing about the bubble and yeah. and not being present, is the goal is to be more mindful. Like mindful sex is the goal. That's when you're fully in your body, you're fully experiencing the sensations and, and you're, you're satisfied from them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So um, one really great mindfulness technique mm-hmm. um, that I give to clients is when you are all up in your head and you're not, you're not in your body, try and focus. Ask yourself, like, what are five things you can see? So name five things. So like right now I can see my water bottle, a book, a table, a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that starts to fill the bubble up with okay. um, what you can see rather mm-hmm. than your thoughts. Okay. Um, and it kind of helps you to kind of drop back into the present, to the mm-hmm. present moment and where you are. Um, and then you could maybe like, you know, if you're having sex at that time, kind of, move on to the, the sexual things that you can see so like okay. you know your partner's body and and etc and okay. and kind of drop back into the experience that way I love that mm. and you're that yeah, is a really good trick a really like tip and trick and mindful yeah. mindful sex I yeah I think that's a vibe we all need yeah. to have absolutely sex. yeah mindful sex, is, mindful the goal. sex <laughs> is the goal I love that you heard yeah. it here first everybody mindful sex <laughs> is the goal but thank you so much for no worries thank you before we jump off is there anything that you want my uh listeners to know about yourself obviously I'm going to put some links in for you so people will be able to obviously contact you and get in touch but do you have anything coming up that you'd like to give a bit of a shout out to Yes, I do actually. So I've actually just started running kind of at home um, kind of sex ed education sessions for like groups of friends. So I had like a, 
yeah, I had one recently where I was like 10 friends. It was one of their birthdays and they just um, booked me in and I came over and basically just gave them like an informal sex ed- education session. It was more, even more of like a discussion and I can talk about basically any, any kind of topic that they, that they wanted. Um, so I'd say that. And then also I'm launching a kind of um, sex toy concept store in the next couple of months oh called my- Cosmo. Goodness. Okay. That's fantastic. (laughs) But I love that you're doing educational, um, you know, sessions. Don't forget all of Laura's information is linked in my bio. So definitely go check it out. Follow me on Instagram at MeganLuscom underscore. If you'd like to get in touch to see how we could work together, visit my website at www.meganluscom.com.au.